Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon, everyone, and I'm so glad that you've tuned in to Calvary Live, and I want to welcome you to today's program. I will be your host for the next hour. My name is Jeff Figgs, the pastor of Calvary Chapel Greeley in northern Colorado, and I'm here ready to take your questions and your prayer requests And so I invite you to call in, grab one of those open lines. You just heard the number given to you. The number to call and be on the air is 303-690-3000. So grab one of those open lines. Let's talk about the things of the Lord. I know that many of you, that perhaps you're heading home, uh, heading back from school, picking up kids from school or whatever. So I pray that as we have snow that's moving into the area here soon, uh, that everyone uh, is able to get home from the evening rush hour and commute safely. Uh, I want to be a blessing for your commute wherever you're at. Maybe you're at home getting a snack for the kids. Uh, maybe you're at the office uh, ending your day, your work week. Uh, I'd love for you to be able to call if you got a chance. Uh, maybe you're just relaxing somewhere. Uh, maybe you're out in the rural areas here. So give me a call um, that uh, I'd love to be able to answer your questions, give you some clarity and understanding the best I know how, and uh, to point you to Scripture. Maybe you have a question about uh, some reading in your Bible that has come up. Maybe you got a question about Christian living, and I'm sure that as we end the week, uh, perhaps you're thinking, wow, what a week this has been. I could really use some prayer. Give us a call. It's a privilege for us to pray with you and encourage you. Uh, in that way. So 303-690-3000 is the number to call. There is a dedicated text line as well, and that number is 720-336-0897, and I'll repeat those numbers throughout the program, but this really is your program. Uh, This is a program to encourage and bless one another, to talk about the things of the Lord, and uh, we want to to do that uh, as the Lord leads us. So give me a call. Uh, let me know you're out there. I want to welcome all the uh, listeners on the East Coast as well. They're listening on Hope FM and Truth FM. Even though you call, you, you're a week behind uh, on the broadcasts, uh, on those radio stations. Uh, but maybe perhaps you're listening on live. Uh, online uh, listeners, you can call it that number, 303-690-3000, and uh, that'll work anywhere in the United States. So welcome, welcome, everyone. Uh, so glad to be with you. It's such a privilege. And I want to just read to you from a psalm. I'd like to read a psalm as we begin our program, because uh, it seems like a lot in the last year or so, uh, as I have my devotions, I keep always going back to the Psalms. I just love the Psalms. And and here David, he writes in Psalm 86, that teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth and unite my heart to fear your name. And I will praise you, O Lord, my God, with all my heart. And I will glorify your name forevermore. For great is your mercy 
towards me. And so we want the Lord to teach us. We want the Lord uh, to minister to us his word, his truth, and that's our desire here for the program. So give me a call, 303-690-3000. We have open lines. But first we're going to go to Eric in Aurora. Eric? Hello. How are you? Good. And yourself? I'm doing good. Okay. My question was about the Bible speaking, talking about the rapture, because I had got into a discussion, and uh, somebody said that it it doesn't really speak on the rapture, and I was like, well, I've read something. I just couldn't remember where, and then it was a guy mentioned named David Langley. I don't know if you've heard of him. No. But no, apparently he, he, he said that the Bible doesn't mention the rapture happening. <laughs> There, there are some Bible teachers that are out there that have listened to that, um, you know, that some churches hold to and, and follow their teaching. They say the Bible doesn't talk about the rapture. Sometimes they'll use the argument that the rapture is uh, not even in the Bible. Well, the, the word Bible's not in the Bible. Uh, first of all, we believe the Bible is the Word of God, uh, but um, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. Uh, we believe the Trinity because it's taught. The word rapture, actually, I think you can make a case, is in the Bible uh, very clearly in the Latin Bible. So a reference for you, Eric, is right down, first of all, whoever you're having a discussion with, is in First Thessalonians chapter 4, when Paul says, "...for the Lord himself will descend from heaven, and with the shout, with the voice of an archangel." And with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. This is one of the clearest um, references to the rapture. And in verse 17 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, when it says that we who are alive, it's the Latin word, um, as we continue, shall be caught up together with the Lord in the air, to meet him, you know, in the air, that that word caught up means a sudden taking. And it's the Greek word harpazo, but it is the Latin word rapturus, where we get our English word what? Rapture. Rapture, rapture exactly. So in the Latin Bible, the word rapture is in there. It means a sudden taking. So what Paul is telling us here is that as he's speaking about the resurrection, the comfort of Christ's coming, that he says there's going to be a generation of Christians who are alive and remain, and they're going to be rapturous, caught up, harpazo up together to, to meet those who go before us in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That is different than the second coming of Jesus Christ because the rapture of the church is when he comes for the church, the second coming of Jesus Christ that will take place at the end of the tribulation period is when we come back with him. So there are two distinct events. Also, you can write down 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that Paul makes reference as well um, to uh, the resurrection, or that is to the rapture of the church. And it's the longest chapter in 1 Corinthians, but he says this in verse 51, 
Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and shall be changed. And then he's, as he's talking about the resurrection, he says, at that time, comparing it with First Thessalonians chapter 4, the dead in Christ will rise first, but almost instantaneously we're going to be raptured up. It's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. And then another reference in John chapter 14 that Jesus, I believe, is speaking of the rapture of the church. As he says to his disciples, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, and in my Father's house were many mansions. If we're not so, I go and uh, I have told you, I go and prepare a place for you. And he says this in verse 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So there, many scholars believe he's talking about the rapture of the church that I'm going to come and receive you to myself, that is, we're going to meet the Lord in the air, and where I am, you are going to be also, that is, he's going to take us to heaven. So I think those are clear references to the rapture. And then a fourth reference I want to give to you that we see in the book of Revelation chapter 3, the promise to the Church of Philadelphia, that we see that it is, um, you know, the promise that was given to them, because you have kept my command to persevere, I will keep you from the hour of trial, or that is tribulation, which shall come upon the whole earth to test those who dwell on the earth. The promise, this is from Jesus directly, is that for those who overcome, you know, those who believe in him, that I will keep you out of and away from the hour of tribulation. There's only one time when there's tribulation that comes upon the whole earth, and when is that? Uh, the tribulation the, the tribulation tri- period right yeah so i believe that we're going to be raptured before the tribulation period and um he's going to take us out of and away from he's not going to take us through it he's going to keep us out of it from the hour of tribulation and i can give you other references but those are four main references that you can show your friend that indeed the rapture is the blessed hope the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, that that he can come at any moment. Okay. Yeah, I'll use those. I'll uh, study those tonight, and then when I talk again, I'll, you know, because it's, I don't know, she was talking to some, listening to some guy on the radio named David Langley, I guess, and I had never heard of him, but. Yeah. There's a, there's a good book that's out. It's been out. I think maybe you can still got it. Tim LaHaye wrote it. It's, it's called the rapture under attack, and um, there are those who come along and say, "Well, the rapture isn't real." But I just read your Bible, and you can see, particularly in First Thessalonians chapter four, He's going to come for us. That's a promise, and we're going to meet the Lord in the air, and we're going to be with Him. Jesus said, "I'll I'll receive you to myself, where where I am, you're going to be also." So I hang on to that blessed hope. And uh, I believe that is uh, very much taught in the scriptures. Okay. Thank you very much. I needed that. <laughs> you bet, Eric. Call back if you got any more questions, okay? All right. All right. Have a good day. All right. Have a great weekend, Eric. Okay. When somebody hangs up, we got an open line. So um, just want to be able to uh, have you call in and ask questions. We're early in the show. You're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Jeff. Figs of Calvary Chapel Greeley. So let's go ahead. Let's go to Sandra. 
She's on I-25. Sandra? Hello. San- Sandra, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing good. I got a little bit of noise, so go ahead and ask your question. And um, you must be driving. Are you driving? I am, but I can take you off. To... Are you still there? Yeah, I am there. Just be careful, okay? Okay, thank you. Thank you for um, calling. Oh, well, I have been listening to this show forever. <laughs> um, but I normally don't uh, get out of work in time to uh, call in with, a, you know, a meaningful question. But anyway, my question is, um, when I was 14, my mom was killed tragically in a car accident. And when my brothers and I, thank you, when my brothers and I were at the hospital and they, they told us my, my immediate reaction was to look up at the ceiling and shake my fist at God and tell him that I hated him. And, and I meant it. And, um, I, my life was just tumultuous for many years after that. Um, but, um, in 1998, I was, um, brought to the Lord and I have been walking with Jesus ever since, but. I do not, my question is, I I don't know. How do I know if I'm truly forgiven for those words? You, you know, here's the good news, Sandra. You are forgiven. And here's some more good news. That he loves you and his love remains with you. And, you know, it was, I think about Paul the Apostle. You know, Paul the Apostle, before he became a Christian, he killed Christians. He was a violent man. And when he's on the road to Damascus, the Lord says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Um, He persecuted Jesus. And yet the Lord saved him, and the Lord used him. And I think that's why Paul is such an incredible champion of grace, because he knew of God's love. He knew of God's forgiveness. He knew of God's grace. And, and Paul, that stuck with him. Um, he, he says, I was an insolent man. I was a violent man. Um, I, wait, I was a waster of the church. It was something that um, he looks back and he's sorrowful for, but he also focused on the love of Jesus Christ. And, and Sandra, he forgives. And in Romans chapter 8, I want you to remember this, that Paul says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. He does not condemn you. Now here's the thing. The enemy is going to come along and try to condemn you. He's going to come along, who's the accuser of the brethren, who accuses us day and night, and say, you said you hated God, and he is not going to respond to you in love. He's not going to forgive you. And, and the Lord says to you through his word that I love you and my love remains. You cannot May God stop loving you. So in Romans chapter 8, I would encourage you to read through that chapter. There is therefore now. That means right now as you're driving on I-25, that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. 
And at the end of the chapter, he says there's no separation. And he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or, or peril or sword. And you went through tribulation. You went through that which was very difficult. And I'm so sorry for your loss and what followed afterwards. But I want you to know that there's no separation from God's love. He loves you. His, he will always love you. And he will never stop loving you. And I want you to hold on to that promise. And that's what God's word says. You are forgiven, and he loves you, and there's no condemnation for you. All right, Sandra? Thank you so much. Please, don't don't ever question the love of God for you. And, And, you know, that's a wonderful chapter to be able to read. And, and God will not stop loving you. And I want you to, to be able to go to him. Because in the middle of chapter 8, it goes on to say that you didn't receive the spirit of fear, but of adoption as we cry out, Abba, Father. You have the spirit of adoption to cry out, Abba, Father. You're my daddy. And you know what? When I grew, you know, four kids um, that... Uh, I raised, and, and there was times when they got upset at me or whatever, um, and they would say, you know, I hate you, and I'm not trying to compare it to what you went through because you went through tragedy and trauma and great loss, but the thing is I knew that they they loved me, and, and they, they would come back and say, I'm sorry. My love never was removed from them, and, and, and even if they were to say that today, I will always love them, and your Heavenly Father loves you with a perfect love. His love for you is unconditional. His love for you is immeasurable. It's unsearchable, and it is constant, and he will never stop loving you. And then as he talks about Paul, God's love, in, in 1 Corinthians 13, he says that love doesn't you know, keep a record of wrong, of iniquity, and he's not up there going, well, you said this years ago, and I'm going to hold it over your head. You're forgiven. He loves you. You have the spirit of adoption where you can cry out, not of fear, but you can cry out, Abba, Father. So I hope that's an encouragement to you, Sandra. Extremely. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Hey, Sandra, can I pray for you? Please do. Thank you. Father, I pray for my sister as she's driving. Keep her safe. And as she's on I-25, Lord, is um, the weather's coming in. I pray. Pray that you protect everybody that's driving here in Colorado with the weather and the snow coming in. But Lord, for Sandra, that right now she would have an overwhelming peace in her heart, that she would know that there's no condemnation, there's no separation from your love, and that she belongs to you and has the spirit of adoption where she can cry out, Abba, Father, and not a spirit of fear. And Lord, that when the enemy comes and condemns, uh, we know it's to push her away from you, but Lord, that you would draw her to yourself. And even, you know, we see your love demonstrated and proclaimed to us uh, throughout the scriptures that, as Romans 5 says, even as we are sinners, Christ died for us. He proved his love. And, um, and we know that um, he will always love us and never stop loving us. There's no separation. So encourage Sandra, bless her as she's heading home. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. You God bless you. You too. God bless you. Take care. Goodbye.
You too. Have a good weekend, Sandra. I want you guys to know the Lord loves you. Sometimes, you know, people try try their hardest to make God not love them, but God will always love you and uh, come to him. Respond to his love. Jesus proved his love for you on Calvary's cross. And I just want to say this, that if you ever doubt the love of God, go to the cross of Calvary. And as Jesus took that cross and he went down the narrow streets called the Way of Sorrows, the Via Della Rosa, to that place of execution, he did it because of his love for you. And it was you that was on his heart and on his mind as he hung on that cross hanging between heaven and earth. And he did it because he loves you so much. He desires for you to come to him and receive his love and to live in his love and to enjoy his love for you. And I hope that's an encouragement to somebody here tonight. Uh, let's go to continue with our phone lines. You're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel Greeley. And give me a call. We have, I believe, an open line, 303-690-3000. Let me give you that text line again. It's 720-336-0897. Let's go to Keith in Greeley. Keith? Hey, how you doing? Good, man. How are you? Good. Hey, I had a question uh, pertaining to Satan, actually, um, as far as his habitation. I know he's not bound in hell as of now. But I kind of wanted to show you the line of thinking. Uh, in Job 1, 7, when mm-hmm. God says, Whence comest thou? And Satan answered and said, From going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it. Um, right. And then if you go forward to, let's see, uh, Luke ten eighteen, when he's talking to the disciples, he said, I replied, uh, he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And then... Right. Sorry, I know I'm going through a lot, but uh, if you go through to Revelation, when the angel cries out, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth, because the lawless one has come down to you, and he knows that he has but a little time. I'm just kind of wondering when the timeline of all this is, and if he is, in fact, I, I don't believe he's locked out of heaven now, but if he's going in the future to be permanently shut out, I know he's kind of kind of freelancing now, I guess, so to speak, but yeah, if that yeah, makes any I, sense. I, it does make sense, and I think you're on the right track with that. See, a lot of people have a picture. It's it's Hollywood, um, you know, definition or whoever's of Satan's, you know, sitting down in hell, and, you know, he's the 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 king of hell right now, and that's where he meets with his demons. He's not in hell right now. Right. Now, we do know that the lake of fire was created for Satan and his demons, but they're not there yet. So right. somewhere along the line, we know that uh, Satan rebelled, uh, took uh, you know fallen angels with him, what's what we call them, that, that rebelled with him. And I believe at that time, that's where Jesus would say to the disciples in Luke chapter 10, that I saw Satan fall like lightning to the earth. And and there's a whole lesson in that already, Keith, because, you know, it's interesting, because they come back from going out two by two, right, in that chapter, mm-hmm. and and then all of a sudden we see that uh, they're excited. They said, you know, hey, we did all this cool stuff. Uh, yeah, they're all pumped uh, up, yeah. Yeah, they're all pumped up. The demons are subject to us in your name. And then he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. You're thinking, 
why would Jesus say that? You know, you think he'd kind of high-five them or whatever, but I think what he was saying was be careful of pride. Be careful right. of pride, because that's what caused Satan to fall, we know from the book of Isaiah. And um, and he said, rejoice that uh, your names are written in heaven. So Satan's called the prince of the power of the air. He's called the god, little g, of this world. So he does go to and fro across the whole earth, um, as it says here in, in Job chapter 1. Have you considered my servant Job? He's blameless. Uh, he's upright. Uh, one who feared God and shunned evil. And Satan said, yes, I've considered him. And that's a military term. That's a term that Satan goes around. He studies us to see how he can get a foothold into our lives. So he has access to heaven, but he doesn't live there. Um, And it seems that uh, that access would be there until, you know, as we go in the book of Revelation, when an angel's going to come in uh, chapter 20 of the book of Revelation, chapter 19, second coming of Jesus Christ, but then it tells us that an angel having come down from heaven, having a key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand, laid hold of the dragon, that's Satan, the serpent of old, who is the devil, and bound him for a thousand years. So he's going to be put into the bottomless pit. That still is not the lake of fire. Right. That is the bottomless pit, and then it says that he was shut up and a seal was set on him. In other words, that seal to where he can't be let out. And then at the end of the uh, millennium reign, he's going to be let out for a little bit. So, yeah. you know, that's where he's at right now. He's causing, causing havoc. He is going to be directly influencing the, the Antichrist in the tribulation period, but then he'll be thrown into the bottomless pit and then eventually into the lake of fire for all eternity. Gotcha. Okay. That's kind of what I was thinking, but I just, like I said, that that verse kind of made me wonder whether or not he's officially locked out of heaven right now, but it doesn't seem that he is actually, I mean, it's not his dwelling place. His main dwelling place is earth now, I guess, is what I'm saying, but... Yeah, and you know what's interesting too, Keith, is um, you, in the letters to the seven churches, to the church of Pergamus, we went over this uh, uh, the week before Wednesday, as we're going through these seven letters to the seven churches. Oh yeah, the, the seat of Satan, right? Yeah, he says that you might remember that I know you where you dwell where Satan's throne is. So Satan's throne is not in hell you know, or in the lake of fire, bottomless pit. At that point, it was Pergamos. Now, how would you like to have that be told to you? And um, so it's very sobering. So he does go... over your shoulder. (laughs) Well, and that's the other thing, too. You know, you can start putting Scripture together that um, we need to be watchful and vigilant because our adversary, the devil, is what? Like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he's always lurking trying to get a foothold. Now, he can't be everywhere at once. So there's a lot of demonic activity. He has principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, We see in the book of Daniel, it seems like there's demons over nations as the king of Persia or the prince of Persia, the the demon of Persia is mentioned. So there's this hierarchy, but definitely they're at, um, you know, work here in this world. And I can't wait till he is body slammed by that angel and put right. away Amen. once and for all. 
<laughs> Amen. <laughs> because right now, I think he's really working overtime. I think he's working overtime on our young oh, people yeah. and on our nation. Okay. And and well, we see you know, it. Happen. This time is limited now, probably more than ever. Yep. It sure is. So, hey, thanks, Keith. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. We'll see you. All right. God bless you. Satan is working overtime, so you know we need to be careful and and uh, we need to uh, be vigilant and uh, put on the whole armor of God because He throws the fiery darts at us and He is working overtime to get a foothold into any of our lives and into our churches. Hey, we come to the break. I know there are some of you that are holding. We'll get to our phone calls uh, when we come back on the other side to break. You're listening to Calvary Live. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back to the second half of Calvary Live on this Friday afternoon. My name is Jeff Figs from Calvary Greeley in northern Colorado. So glad to be with you, and I pray that you're getting home safely if you're in traffic or in the rush hour or uh, commuting home or to uh, back from school. Be careful. Snow starting to move into uh, the front range area uh, in our broadcast area. So I just pray that you have a safe travel. Take your time, and, uh, and uh, we pray that we can be a blessing for the next half hour or so, and uh, we want to be able to... Um, to encourage you uh, on the show here. So uh, be careful. Uh, we also want to let you know, uh, as you are ending, many of you, your work week or school week, uh, that um, we want you to have a blessed weekend. And uh, be sure to be in church this weekend if you can. Uh, I just want to encourage the Christians. That's something that's been on my heart lately is for us to be in fellowship. And I know that some people work. Uh, we live in a culture that's 24-7, and you have to work at times on Sundays or uh, whatever the case may be, but as much as you can, be in fellowship, be with a group of believers, even if it's a small group, to be encouraged and blessed in the Lord. And I would just want to let you know that on Sunday morning, we're going to be in the Book of Romans, and our Sunday morning services are at 8, 9.30, and 11 o'clock here in Greeley, Colorado. And you can look us up on our website, uh, calvarychapelgreeley.com. For service times, we have a wonderful nursery and children's ministry um, to minister to your children at their level. We have youth groups that meet. And we have a Wednesday night where we're going through the book of Revelation. If you've never done a study in Revelation, we invite you to come out, and uh, we'll go into chapter 3, continuing with the seven letters to the seven churches. And uh, it's a powerful, powerful study. So some come join us. Again, look for further information and directions on our website, calvarychapelgreeley.com. So let's go ahead. I believe uh, we're going to go to line three to Elise from Maryland. Elise? Yes. Did I say that right? You said it right. How are you, sister? I'm all right. Good, good. You're on Calvary Live. Okay, um, well, thank you <laughs> for taking my you call. A, you bet. You got a question for me? Yes, my question was, was um, 
you could explain, give me a clarity on whoever put his hand or put their hand in the plot and look back is not fit for the kingdom. Right. Jesus, in Luke's Gospel, he also mentions it in Matthew's Gospel, um, he's talking about discipleship. Um, and he uh, has somebody come to him. You know, when you read uh, that section from verses 57 to 62 in Luke chapter 9, and he has somebody come to him and says, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but a son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Um, and, and what Jesus is saying is there's a cost. There's a cost in following me. Um, and sometimes people say, I'll follow you, Jesus, wherever you go. And he's going, I don't have a home. I, I don't have nowhere to lay my head. You know, a fox has holes, has a home. Birds have homes. But I have nowhere to lay my head. Are you willing to count the cost? Another one comes to him and says, Lord, let me, um, I want to follow you. Or Jesus says to him, follow me. And he says, well, let me go and bury my father. Now, Jesus was not being insensitive to him and saying, you can't go to your dad's funeral. It was a popular saying back then that I'm going to go home. And then after this certain amount of time or, you know, after my father dies and I take care of his affairs, then I'll come and follow after you, Jesus. And what Jesus is saying is, I want you to follow me now. I want you to follow me today. Because we can use all kinds of excuses. Um, I'll follow you, Jesus, if I get married, or if I have a certain job, or when I get to this stage in my life. We make all kinds of excuses. And that's really what this person was doing, was making excuses. Jesus said, that you know the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. So he wasn't being insensitive. His father probably was very much alive. He was saying, I'll come and follow you when it's more convenient. Then there's the other one that says that, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. And Jesus said, uh, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is for, for the kingdom of God. And what Jesus is saying is, is this person's coming with another excuse that I'm going to go home, fit them farewell at my house. But it was an excuse that Jesus knew there was a problem in this man's life. And he says, listen, if you're going to follow me, you've got to put your hand to the plow and you've got to move forward, not go backwards. And that's what he's saying to you and to me. Because, you know, we live up here— Elishi in Greeley here, where I'm broadcasting. This is farm country here in Colorado. And so there's tractors, and they have GPS, and they keep the tractor straight. But back then, they didn't have that. You you were behind a, an ox. You were behind a horse plowing the ground. And you had to keep your eye on a tree. You had to keep your eye on a, a rock outcrop. If you didn't, you go crooked, you go sideways, but you had to keep your eyes on the Lord. You couldn't look back. And when it comes to serving the Lord, what he's saying is this, keep your eyes on me. Okay. Stay okay. focused on me. Keep moving forward. And I think a verse that goes with it is I want to give to you from the book of Philippians. And Paul writes this in Philippians chapter 3, in... Verses 13 and 14. 
He says, Brethren, I do not count myself to, to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So I believe that's what Paul, you know, um, is coming alongside of what Jesus said. You keep moving forward, and you press towards the the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, and don't look back to the world. Don't look back to the excuses. You follow after him. So he's talking about the cost of discipleship, and hopefully that helps you out. Okay, yes, I got a little clearer now. Thank you. You are welcome, and I appreciate you calling, and always feel free to call us back on Calvary Live. Love to talk to you about these things. All right. You have a good night. God bless you too. God bless you. When somebody hangs up, as I said, we got an open line. Love to hear from you guys out in the East Coast and Maryland and in Pennsylvania and New Jersey and North Carolina and Kentucky, where Truth FM is. Keep those calls coming. Love to talk to you about those things and, and bless you in any way that we can. So appreciate you calling. Let's go to uh, Bill on line two in Westminster. Hi, Bill? Pastor. How are you, Bill? Good. How are you doing? Doing all right. Starting to snow Good. here in Greeley. What about down there? Well, it's starting to spit here in Westminster a little bit, but you're farther north. Yeah, so everybody be careful out there. It's moving in. Absolutely. Yeah, as a matter of fact, you just mentioned Pennsylvania. That's where I'm from. Oh, okay, great, super. Yeah, yeah. I decided to move out here to God's country. <laughs> it is beautiful <laughs> out here, isn't it? It is. I love it. I uh, I couldn't live. I go back there and visit. My family's there, but here's my home. Yeah, hey, Pastor, good, good. the reason I was calling, I wanted to find out if you could tell me the difference um, as the person who answered the phone that helps you was talking about in Matthew, and I, I want to say he said, Matthew 18, um, where it talks about being thrown into outer darkness. Um, so my question to you is this. So when an unbeliever dies, does he go to hell with flames and burning and gnashing of teeth, or am I getting confused, or does he go to outer darkness with Nashing Keith, I'm a little confused on that. If you could straighten it out for me, I'd be grateful. Yeah, and I think it's confusing for a lot of people because, again, um, there is you know, one of the things that we do know from Scripture for a Christian who is a believer in Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So we know as Christians that when we die, take our last breath, we're going to go be with Jesus in heaven right away, immediately. Absolutely. For the non-believer, what happens is this. Um, in Luke chapter uh, 18, I believe it is, that Jesus tells of this, uh, this story, and it's a debate whether it's a parable or it's a story. And, um, and it's in actually Luke 17, yes, uh, actually, in chapter 16, i got to keep backing up. In Luke chapter 16, there's a, a story of the rich man and Lazarus. Have you right. heard of yeah, that I'm story? Familiar, yeah, I'm familiar, yeah, I'm very familiar with that. Okay, he talks about how um, Lazarus dies and he goes to paradise, but then the rich man dies and he's over on, on that side of the unrighteous dead. Uh, um, he's in what is called Hades, uh, Gehenna. It's somewhere in the middle of the earth, um, 
we made reference to it uh, earlier in the show uh, about um, the bottomless pit. Uh, Satan is going to be tossed into the bottomless pit uh, right, at the, when Jesus Christ comes back. So in that area that was down that chamber, there was one side that was paradise. The other side that is the, the unrighteous dead, uh, where the rich man was. He calls over to uh, Abraham. He calls over to uh, Lazarus, you know, touch my tongue. I'm in torment and all of this. Well, when Jesus died on the cross, he said to the thief, you'll be with me today before the sun has set, where? In paradise. So he, if you would, escorts the thief on the cross down through the abyss into paradise. He proclaims, you know, um, liberty to the captives. Um, He first descended before he ascended. He goes there and says, I've died for your sins because all those people were looking forward to the cross. We on this side look back to the cross, but then that chamber emptied. Uh, Jesus so that died was for Abraham's their... bosom, correct? That's Abraham's bosom. That's okay. paradise. Okay, the whole thing was called uh, Hades, but it was two compartments. Okay. So that paradise has been empty. So now we go directly to heaven because Jesus died for our sins. And that's the thing. The animal sacrifices was only a covering of of sin until the Lamb of God came and took away sin once and for all. Correct. So now that other side that's um, on the other side is still occupied with non-believers, and they are in that side of the unrighteous dead. And then you go to, you can write down uh, Revelation chapter 20 at the great white throne judgment, and it says, The sea gave up her dead who were in it, death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged each one according to his works. You don't want to be judged according to your works, right? And then the death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So that compartment at the end of the millennium reign of Jesus Christ, and when the heavens and the earth um, that we now know are, is going to go up in a fervent heat. They're going to dissolve. Uh, that's what uh, we read here um, in uh, chapter 20 of the book of Revelation, um, that uh, there's no place for them. He says, I saw a great white throne in him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there is no found no place for them. So they will stand, the unbelievers, before the great white throne judgment, you and I as believers will not. We stand yeah, we'll, at the, we'll stand at the beam seat, correct? Exactly. Right, and, okay. Um, and not be judged for our works or for our sins. Right. But the unrighteous dead will be emptied at that time. The books will be open, and if they're not written in the book of life, then they're cast into the final place where Satan and uh, the false prophet and the Antichrist and all unbelievers are going to be in the lake of fire. And okay. that's what the Bible says. So that's, Okay, so, so that compartment that was down there at the time of Lazarus, that will be taken from there and sent in and thrown into the lake of fire. Yeah, that everyone okay. that's there, that compartment okay. will be emptied out. Okay, then okay. the so heavens where, and the so earth... So where, where does being thrown into outer darkness, is that one and the same place? Yeah, in the outer darkness, the final place, 
um, where there'll be gnashing of teeth. I, I can't imagine that outer darkness where it's dark. And sometimes I'll, I'll talk to people. Sometimes people will say, well, you know, um, I, I'll go to hell and I'll be with all my friends and we'll have a big party down there. Oh, oh they and think. It, and, it, and I think really. And that's where we need to be serious with them and say, listen, that there's outer darkness, that there's a lake of fire, that can you imagine going through all eternity being thirsty? Oh, I can't imagine And in horrible that. suffering and pain, no, I, I, I yeah. couldn't imagine that. That's why I'm so grateful that I belong to Jesus and how important Amen. it is for us to witness to those who don't know. Exactly. So that's what the, the message you want to give to others. You don't have to go there. Absolutely. You know, it's choice. It's choice. Yeah. And that's it's why choice. we need to—it's imperative we give the gospel, especially the day in which we're living in. So I that's, agree. that kind of ex- explains that. So okay, hopefully that, that helps, helpful. Bill. You bet. Absolutely. Hey, Bill, have a great weekend. You too. Be safe on the roads. I will. 303-690-3000. We've still got some time left in the show. Hey, uh, I'm looking out my window, snowing pretty good. So again, I just pray that you're careful. Be safe. Take your time heading home. And I'm um, so glad to be with you, to be a blessing as you're listening to the radio. We still have uh, some phone lines. Let's go to uh, Annette in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Annette? Yes, Pastor. How are you? I'm, I'm fine. Thank you for taking my call. Oh, I have a prayer calling. request, Pastor, for a, a very dear friend. She's a Christian, but she's going through um, severe depression. She is in contact with two counselors, and they're trying to get her medication uh, balanced, mm-hmm. but she's really going through a difficult time, and I just okay. wish you could pray uh, for her. Absolutely. would love to do that. And, Father, we do. We pray for uh, Annette's friend. You know who she is. She is really struggling right now. Um, she's in the depths of despair, depression, which is very real for her. And, Lord, I pray that you would touch her mind, that you would uh, touch her heart, that you give her peace that passes understanding, Lord, that you give her the comfort that she needs, and, Lord, that you would minister to her. And, Lord, those who are brought into her life uh, to to bring counsel to her, um, those who are working with her, I pray that you give them wisdom, that you give them guidance, and, Lord, that they would be a help to her. But, Lord, we know that you're the one that is the healer of our soul and our minds, and I pray that you would do that. Just help her and help her to look up, uh, be the lifter of her head. And I pray that you be with Annette as she's concerned for her friend. I thank you that Annette uh, took the time to call us and for all of us to pray for her friend that she loves and cares for. So, Lord, we pray you show yourself strong on her behalf. Give Annette wisdom and just patience and love uh, to her friend as she continues to minister to her. And, Lord, we just lift her up for you to do an awesome work in her and bring in joy into her life. And, and what she needs is from you. So, Lord, do that healing work in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You bet, Annette. God bless okay. you. Okay, bye. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. We need each other. We need to pray for each other. We need to encourage each other. So um, just uh, would encourage you that those who are downcast, 
Uh, we want to lift them up to the Lord. We want them to give them the word of the Lord. We want to give them the hope that's found in the Lord. And, and I pray that we would do that um, as people around us. You know, they do. They get in despair. They get discouraged, and um, and they get down. And Elijah was depressed. Elijah was in the cave, um, and he was running from Jezebel. And the Lord ministered to him in a still small voice. And that's what I pray for Annette's friend, and for perhaps you that are there listening um, as you're heading into the weekend. Maybe you're just feeling down and discouraged. The Lord loves you, and He wants to speak to you, and He desires to be the lifter of your head. Um, today and every day so well let's go we got some time let's go to harvey in aurora harvey hello how are you harvey i'm good yourself i'm doing good definitely uh, definitely i had a a question about women in ministry um i was Mm -hmm. reading first timothy chapter three around the first six or seven verses and it talks about uh it gives the masculine role to an overseer and uh, my question is, can women be pastors, elders, or preachers? Um, right. And, I, yeah, that's kind of a big debate in the church today, isn't it? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> well, P- Paul here, and he also writes about it in Titus, uh, Titus in that yeah. other pastoral epistle. In both places, he, he gives the qualification, just as you said, Harvey, of an overseer. That okay. if a man des- desires the position of a bishop, um, and it's the same thing that he says um, in uh, the epistle to Titus, um, you know, that he desires a good work. A bishop must be blameless, the husband of one wife, you know, uh, temperate, sober-minded. So the qualifications there talks about the husband of one wife. I think that we see throughout um, the Scriptures— that it's God's desire that the men be the leaders in the church. The Bible does not say that women cannot be president of the United States. The Bible does not say that women cannot be CEOs of companies. Uh, The Bible does not say that women uh, can't serve in the church. They have ministry. They have a very important ministry. I so appreciate the women that minister here at Calvary Chapel Greeley. We couldn't do what we do without their ministry. Uh, We have um, a young lady who is the head of our children's ministry. We have another uh, very uh, wonderful um, lady that uh, oversees the nursery. We have one of the ladies that oversees the coffee shop. Um, We have ladies that help teach in the middle schoolers. But when it comes to the position of an overseer, of a pastor, it's the Lord's desire, what I see in Scripture and in the New Testament, that he desires for the men to be the leaders in that way. And he talks more about it, you know, even before in chapter 2, and he says that, let a woman learn in silence with all submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man, but to be silenced. Those well, scriptures... Well, what do you think about this? Can they... Can they like hold the title or the call of a preacher? Well, they can teach. Uh-huh. They can teach. We have women that teach lady studies. We have women okay. that teach in the children's ministry. They're very gifted teachers. But when it comes to that position, that that role and the title and the authority of a pastor, 
he's talking about that in the church. And I think it's, we read this and we think, what do you mean women learn in silence with all submission? It's just that they they know that there, there's a hierarchy and that the men are to be leading in that position of an overseer and to have authority in the church, the leadership he talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It doesn't mean they don't have an important role. It doesn't mean that God right. loves the man over the woman. It doesn't mean right. that the men walk around all dictatorial, you know, and right. all of this. It just is a headship and a covering that the Lord has ordained. In the marriage, he has the man to be the leader. And in the church, yeah, yeah, he desires for the men to lead uh, in that way of the pastor, teacher, the overseer, the shepherd, the bishop. Um, That's what he desires. So um, I won't have a woman here at Calvary Greeley in the position of a pastor, Um, But they have a lot of other ministry that they do that I'm so grateful for and I so appreciate. So, uh, you know, that's what the Bible says, you know, um, and that's that's what um, that's what I follow is what the scripture says. And um, it's not a diss on women. It's not that women are inferior to men at all. Uh, But it's what the Bible says. And he's called us to to authority and headship, but in that, you know, Harvey, we always want to keep in mind, that's an awesome responsibility. That's an awesome responsibility. And you know how we know that? It says, for Adam was formed first and Eve. Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Nevertheless, she will be, you know, he goes on. In other words, this is what happened. Eve ate of the, the forbidden fruit, right? Right, right. Who was held responsible for it? Adam. It was Adam. You Uh never read in the Bible that, you know, Eve was held responsible. Adam was there with her, according to Genesis 3, verse 6, but he was not that covering, and he is still held responsible. And he still, it was, you know, you always hear, because Adam sinned, that's when death and sin came into the world. So it really just relates to us the awesome responsibilities that we have as leaders in the church, as pastors, um, that we're to lead with love, and we are to lead in a way that that love is described in teaching the congregation. And women do have ministry. They have very important ministry, but just not as the role of uh, as a bishop or an elder uh, that we see uh, given to us the, the qualifications in the New Testament. Okay, I think that answers my question, because I've met women who are like, hi, my name is Reverend such-and-such, and I'm like, huh, they're not like yeah. in the position of a pastor per se, but like they preach the gospel and like yeah. lead in that way, and, I, and I'm just like, huh, okay, you know. And and you know what, Harvey, here's the thing. If, if you know, women, you know, that are pastors, that are behind a pulpit teaching, if somebody gets saved by that, I'm still going to rejoice in it. Right, but right. M- my conviction is that here at the church that he desires the men to be the leaders and the pastors. And we've had people come to Christ through uh, women teaching in children's ministry. Uh, matter of fact, I'm so excited because we are looking to— um, you know, VBS this summer, and, yeah. you know, how they teach, and the kids come to Christ, and we do this big park outreach, you know, in the children's ministry. 
um, with youth, with other women. I just so appreciate their ministry, and it's very valuable. Uh, but we try to follow along what the New Testament guidelines are given to us. Absolutely, yeah. And hopefully I'll plant a church one day, and uh, if I do, or when I do, I just need to know this stuff and uh, 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 know what the Word yeah. says. So thank you so much. You bet, Harvey. Hey, can I pray with you? We're we're getting towards the end of the show. I think this is a good time to pray. And um, so, Father, I just pray for Harvey as he's called in. He, he wants to know, because he wants to honor you as if he starts a church someday and uh, know what the Word of God says, to let uh, the Word of God be the model for the church, the instruction for us. And so, Lord, we can trust in that. And, Lord, I thank you for women in ministry. I thank you uh, how much they mean to us and, and what they do. And, Lord, um, we just pray that they would know that they are so valuable. And, Lord, I do pray as we end the show now uh, that you would just bless those as the snow has moved in, that here in Colorado— that uh, are driving home or in the commute, that you keep everybody safe. And, Lord, take us home safely tonight. If we're out and about, keep us safe. And, Lord, that you would keep us all in that place of fellowship this weekend as we go to church. And we thank you for today's show in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next time, guys. Thank you. been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.